We're just going to rename your contract to say cloud on it. Can you go ahead and sign this, please? So I had to, I had to load up my uh, Windows VM the other day. I didn't have to. I just did it. What, Are we starting what? the show? No. No? I think this We're just show. talking. It's tech stuff, John. All right. Well, it's tech stuff. Okay. I, was gonna, I was just going to moan and complain about how long updates took. <laughs> I logged in for the first time and just everything was slow. Well, first of all, it's a VM, so it's even slower. So my VM had to update. So that got updated. And then when I start Windows, it's got to update its own kind of internal tools that help map all my Mac hardware to to something that Windows can perceive. Yep. And so What's, once that was there. Which <clears throat> virtualization theory? Is it Fusion? VMware Fusion. Is that yeah. still active product? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. On version 11. Wow. I've been using it for years. That's a lot of upgrades they've made you buy. Yes. <laughs> kind of pisses me off. They just get, they get some marginally better, maybe. Well, Probably the, even takes a step back sometimes, too. At the time, I was, I was fine. I was happy with it because I used it a lot. But now I'm questioning whether or not I need to pay for any more upgrades because I don't really use it that often anymore. I mainly had it because I was still writing custom integrations, and I would do that with Windows mm-hmm. or with the Visual Studio. I'd uh, write my console apps, but I don't know that it, I don't have that kind of need right now. Yeah. So I, I don't know. You're a lucky man. No, Why? I, just because you don't have that need. <laughs> to, <laughs> to run Windows? To run, no, to create integrations oh. and run Windows. So what are you running Windows for now? What was that all about? I loaded it by accident. And then I thought, oh, well, I'm already here. I'm already down the rabbit hole. I might you as well start updating. loaded it by accident. That's, that's like the whole... <clears throat> I can't even say the excuse that came into my mind, but that sounds like an excuse. The colors of the icon looked very similar to IntelliJ, and I was mapping, I was re, I was redoing my workflows. So I have a workflow that I just type in work, and it loads all my work apps. And I was remapping those, and I, I put in the VMware application, thinking it was the IntelliJ application. And so I, what I thought was, what I was, lo- I thought I was loading in my IDE instead. I was loading up VMware. So that's how I accidentally did that. that. That's weird. So you meant to you meant to just launch IntelliJ, but instead you installed Windows. That's quite a, <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a miss. Now you know, and the thing is, and I haven't. It's been a while since I installed Windows or even ran it. But I think there's something about the Windows architecture, and maybe the way just that between DLL hell and just maybe all the .NET components, the OS uh, kernel extensions or whatever. Drivers, and I don't know what it is, but something about Windows seems to have to do many more iterations of updates. Whereas, like on a Mac, I feel like for the most part, I think there are exceptions, but for the most part, you can just like blast through all your updates at once. Whereas Windows has to do a bunch of updates, you restart, and then it can do the next round of updates, and then it has to restart, and then it can, you know, it's like they they have to be done in a certain ones have to be done in a serial fashion. They can't be done like parallel all at once. Yeah, and, and that's what kills me on just with these Windows updates. I haven't been deep into Windows development in a long time. I mean, the last, the last, the last thing I remember was just the the whole DLL hell that you get with all these environments. So, that, so .NET and Windows in particular has all these libraries and things for you to use, and they make things easy, and so you end up using them. But these are shared libraries, and so anytime you update one of those, or there's some kind of dependency, there's this all this checking and everything it has to do, and it's just I think that's part of it is, is just every update has to go through and manage and figure out 
well, what version of the library am I using and what do I have? And is it already there? And is it part of a global namespace that I can attach to? Or is it, do I need to have a local copy in my file system? I mean, I think that's why things like install shield still exist. There's some, there's something about that architecture that just, like I said, I think other OSs just are more, I don't know if the coupling's not as tight or they're more flexible, but yeah, Windows just, it seems to be real rigid in that way. Anyway, yeah, Brett, they're working on DLL. They've been working on DLL hell for 30 years now. Yeah. <laughs> and now now it's, um, what's it called? Um there's a new .NET Core hell? Yeah, something like Core that. Hell. It's like a .NET hell now. I can't remember what they call it. But. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dependencies. It's, uh, they're a hard problem. It's What do they say? There's uh, three hard things in computer science. Cache, invalidation, naming things, and independencies. But I think now there's hope. I mean, with... with John doesn't realize that I just completely bastardized that saying. That's okay, though. Wait a minute. What did you say? Say it again. No, that's okay. No, I want to catch no, someone. Will, someone will tell you. It's because I was trying to make a point that it's it's going to get better now that Microsoft's trying to be a little bit more cross-platform friendly. So a lot of those libraries and everything yeah. should get abstracted out from the core Windows Dude, API. This reminds me, Microsoft's just killing it, man. It's interesting that you know that it was the Windows Windows monopoly and also the the Office kind of monopoly that was just their massive cash cow, and and they obviously still make a lot of money from those. But the amount that they've diversified is just mind blowing, and it is. And then, uh, we'd like to give credit to the new CEO. But a lot of that started before. I mean, like the, just you know, games, for example. I mean, um, there's I don't know, they have all these other divisions that. Well, can, gaming is still the biggest reason to even run can, Windows. Can do pretty well. Yeah, um, that's actually true. <laughs> it's such but, an expensive hobby. I've been wanting to build a machine for so long, and every time I watch a video and all the new stuff and and the cost of everything, I'm like, crap. Well, hey, look at on the bright side. It's about a you can build a killer Windows machine for about the third of a price of a slow Mac. I don't know. The one <laughs> no, I was I'm drilling kidding. over last night cost about 5000 to build. There, there's a little bit of the mythical Apple tax that's true, but I think it's actually mostly false. If you compare quality to quality, apples to apples. Yeah, I, I think there's some, about that I think there's some value in the fact that they take chances with the engineering to try something new and to do something new, whereas a lot of the PC manufacturers, they kind of just go with whatever everyone else is doing. And so you just get variations of the same architecture or technology or layout and all this kind of thing. No, things. John, you'll get like a new color of fluorescent light in your in oh. your in your computer case, in your transparent computer case. Those are still cool. I like them. <laughs> I like the breathing LEDs, the ones that just kind of pulse. Oh, yeah. It just looks like the machine's breathing. Yep. yep. Yeah. Those are nice. Well, John, I don't I don't have a lot of Salesforce topic this. Well, there's a bunch of stuff. Well, what okay. That's good. I'm good. I'm about, glad you came prepared this week. Uh, I didn't. <laughs> I have to give props to the community because they posted a bunch of links to articles. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Let's talk about that. That's cool. Let's talk about that. I mean, that's the way this is supposed to work. This is a this is a like a um, this is a community show. This is basically an open source show. Give a, you know, that's that's the way I consider it. Because a lot of our topics do come from whether it's something that someone posted in Slack or people email us. Yeah. Um, are we going to talk about John's new job? How do let's talk about the fact that I kind of work for you now. <laughs> Kind of weird, isn't it? <laughs> it? It just, I feel like we're, we have this revolving door thing. <laughs> and I'm working hard to kick him off my project yeah, right now. Yeah, he is. John's trying to fire <laughs> me. <laughs> like I, I have like, what is it, bi-weekly or twice a week stand-ups with you going, when is this done so I can kick you off this project? Right. No, I don't know, John. Actually, you... I've been trying really hard not to use it as a crutch. I'm really, I need to own this as quick as possible. And the more I lean on you, on your back, for your background knowledge, 
the longer it's going to take me. Well, I mean, there's something, yeah, I mean. <clears throat> like, I still need to be able to kind of say, okay, I'm stuck, let me call Jeremy. Right. But I don't need to go, oh, Jeremy already knows that. Let him do that, and I'll work on something else. I don't need to do that. I always try to, like, <clears throat> figure stuff out for myself first. Yeah. Because you're going to learn stuff by figuring, you're, you're going to learn more things by just doing the exploratory, trying to figure stuff out on your own. It does take time, but you do learn a lot. You do. But you also don't want to waste half of your day when you could just, after 15 minutes, you just should have, like, texted me or something and yeah. asked. Um, yeah, you know, the people that, and this is also kind of a downside of like the, I think the open floor plans are like, if you're sitting right next to someone you work with, it just is too, it's too easy to say, Hey, what file is that uh, functioning again? Or whatever, you know, it's like, cause you, because the problem is you just interrupted that person and you probably didn't even spend three seconds trying to figure it out yourself because they're right there. And it's, it's human nature. I get it. But you, and some people are better about tempering that. I, I probably go back and forth. Sometimes I, when I'm more conscious, mm-hmm. I'm probably better at it. But I bet I'm bad at it sometimes. Yeah. Especially when you're just you're in a flow and you're just like trying to figure something out and you're like, hey, what file's that in? And I'm like, ah, oh, I should have leaven. I, sh- you know I what just talked to that person. I j- all I had to do was like, look, I probably would have found it. It's because there's no IntelliSense for it. <laughs> I mean, how many times do you hit dot just to go see it? Oh, what are those options again? Yeah. <laughs> is IntelliSense, is that AI? Oh, did you see? Oh, wait a minute. Can it call? It's not called IntelliSense. IntelliSense like, TM branded for um, Visual Studio, That's I Visual think. Studio, yeah. um, It's like code completion or... Dude, who did... Did you see the... Who was... I don't know if this is in the Salesforce world or just the broader programming world. Who showed us? I swear, some, I swear someone showed us this. Um, but it's a... Oh, this was Matt Lacey. It was Matt Lacey's quick... It was like a... Was it his quick talk? or I can't remember. I think it was a quick talk he did. And... It was an autocomplete thing. It was like a plugin for Sublime, or I think it actually plugs into all the text editors, the popular mm-hmm. ones. And it's an it's AI based, I guess, or machine learning. Um, and I was, you, gonna, and, I was just and, about to make that joke. And it has it has no like hard. It doesn't know programming languages. It doesn't know anything. It just looks at the text that's there in your different files. It looks what you're doing. It looks like it looks at what you did before, and it's just like it, it does seem to be machine learning. And it got within like the first time he hit dot. It really didn't know what he was doing. But the second time he did it, it was like, oh, he's probably trying to do this. And it just kept getting, it, it got, within like three lines of code, it got so good. It was basically writing the code for him. I was like, holy crap. It was, anyone who saw that talk, hopefully that's available to see. Or I don't know, maybe if someone remembers. I'll try to, let's see. Uh, well, that's so, a better story than the joke I was going to make. I was going to say that if if it was in today's times and IntelliS and Microsoft was trying to brand IntelliSense, they might call it like your a your your IDE AI or something. Oh, of course. Where it's just some some dumb pattern matching or or Einstein, inspection or Einstein IDE. Yeah. <laughs> but at least that's that's at least attempting to to make some sense out of what you're trying to do. But yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's see. I had a couple things. Uh, one of these things was: Did you? This is this is like a couple weeks ago. I don't know if this is old or not. Um, but it was interesting. The so one of these. I, I don't know if this is a security company, Clayton or whatever. I don't mean to give them a free ad. I guess I just did. But they had this article, which was clickbait. Mm-hmm. They just won. Congratulations. Um, but it was they. They said we learned or what we learned. Who says learned? Is that a British thing? Learned, learned. I don't know. Then learned by scanning ten point two billion lines of Salesforce code. Uh, just the highlights. One thing that they said is they found serious security problems on average of two out of five orgs. Mm-hmm. 
And this is why when I kind of rant about security, I'm like, people don't know what they're doing with security. Like, you, <laughs> it's like, there's a lot of things you know need to know to be a working developer, and security is just one of them. And it, anyway, uh, let's see. The other thing, oh, data leaks. So they talked about the CRUD and, and FLS bypass, mm-hmm. which is not so much of a bypass as you don't have to bypass it. There, there's no bypass. It's like unless you intentionally stick a dam in, in there, it's, it just by default is bypassed. Right? And then insecure direct object references. But uh, anyway, it says the good news is, is that Salesforce is doing a lot. In addition to decent training material, such as the data leak prevention module on Trailhead, uh, technical improvements like l- inherited sharing and the possibility to easily strip away inaccessible fields goes a long way to helping developers avoid these problems. I'm assuming that's that new feature they just did, uh, the new thing that... Yeah, but everything, it was defaulted in inheritance, but I think now you can explicitly say I'm inheriting, which... Inheriting? What do you mean? Inheriting permissions. So when you had a when you had a, just a generic class that did not specify the inheritance model or the security model, that, that with has, sharing or that, without that's sharing... Still Always would, no, no no John that still would mm-hmm. always not enforce CRUD or FLS that only that only that only covered record sharing record level do they have access to the record or not mm. not which by is class definition yep yep with sharing without sharing that's basically record level sharing that's record level access if you are not strip you can totally do a SQL query and get fields of the object that that user doesn't have access to and just spit it right back out to them. Well, sure, you can do that no matter what. Mm. R- right, which is why it's up. It's always been up to the programmer manually to determine the list of fields a user has access to for any given object and filter out things they don't have access to. I mean, it's really like a really crummy security architecture, or at least that part of it is. In the- well, it's, it's a function of its time, so Visual Force would do all that work for us. All we had to do was implement the controller, stick it on the page, and Visual no, Force would handle whether or not they could see that field only or not. If the, only if the, in, if the entry point is, is Visual Force. I mean, there's still plenty of other ways. Today, that, yes. No, there always have been. Oh. Apex has, since day one, has had this FLS bypass. Right? Sure. Now, if your front end's a Visual Force, yeah, I mean, for most, if you're using kind of Visual Force in a standard way, those UI components actually would, would do that work. Yes. Still plenty of ways, though, even with Visual Force, but, it, but also if you're not, you know, for other things besides Visual Force that you can get yourself into trouble. So obviously that's still a big problem. Um, but yeah, this thing they have now where you can, I think you have to call a method, though. I wish it was just auto. I, I, wish, it was, I wish they came up with a way that it was just automatic. But the problem is Apex does run in system mode, and they can't automatically strip away fields because that would break your code. If if a if a system admin had kicked off what had invoked this Apex code, it probably would work. But if some other user who didn't have access to certain fields and you're querying those fields or doing operations on those fields, obviously the Apex is going to break. So they can't they can't do that. I still have to leave it up to the developer to say, okay, now filter my fields out because I'm done with them or whatever. I don't know. All right. Um, the other thing is uh, ISVs they've discovered are much better at addressing security problems. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. Um, Partially because Salesforce vets the crap out of your security. Yeah. Or they try to. Um, they certainly run a static code scanner, which gets you a little bit of the way there. Um, let's see. Uh, the overall security of customizations, right, is, so I guess this is for non-ISVs, just but 
overall, uh, it's it's do do you know customize Salesforce at your own risk. And while and they're saying while this may seem reasonable, which I don't think it is reasonable, uh, data suggests that end users aren't so scrupulous about addressing security problems. According to our data, end users are 85% more likely to prioritize new features over fixing insecure code. Yeah. I mean, it sounds right. I mean, yeah. just because, again, most, most Salesforce orgs are dominated by and, and are, exist because of the sales and marketing departments. And they just don't understand the importance of security. <clears throat> I mean, they understand how important it is for them to hit their sales numbers and how many new leads they need to get and all that kind of stuff. But well, their 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 role in, doesn't require them to. Yeah. And and the and the CIO said, "Sure, run Salesforce. Bye bye. I'm out of here." You know. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, here's a, here's one of your favorites, John. Forty two percent of the implementations we assess show a pattern of using unit tests just to achieve achieve coverage instead of actually validating the logic. Yep. This malpractice may be an old way of doing things, um, but many companies to this date are still being slowed down by the burden of their poor testing practices. Yep. We all saw how the lack of a negative test affected Salesforce. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it happens to the best of us all the yeah. time, you know? And also, someone had a great example the other day. I forget what it was now, but something where there was very high. In fact, you could have had 100% code coverage in this case, but... 100% code coverage does not mean 100% secure. In fact, it it's it's uh, code coverage is a very dangerous metric because it 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 gives you a false sense of security mm-hmm. and a false sense of correctness. Actually, not even not even just information security, just correctness. Well, it shouldn't be. I mean, it should be a a metric of analysis, not a metric of of approval. I guess because right now we're treating code coverage as as an approval step to get into production. We're saying. Yes, you have seventy five percent coverage. Now you can you're approved. You're good. Oh, you're golden. Instead of a a a metric that that helps you kind of evaluate what state your code is in in terms of your tests and your coverage and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, let's see. <clears throat> what? Did, oh, I see. I covered that forty two percent. Performance problems are often prioritized over robustness. Um, they're resolved more regularly and tackled more quickly. I think they're talking about probably limit-related things. Yeah, performance is very critical, especially considering the impact that governor limits have on the user experience, adoption, as well as scalability to large volumes. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. there's there's so many people doing just stuff inside of a trigger instead of abstracting it out, or at least providing some mechanism where it can it can be done asynchronously in the background. It's there's there's, but the problem is as you start moving into those areas. The complexity of your code, your the complexity of your error handling increases, and there's there's not a lot of devs who are willing to put that work in, and there's not a lot of budgets that are willing to absorb that. I think they're making a little bit of a different point here. I think what they're saying is developers actually spend because it says they're fifty fifty seven percent more likely to address performance issues. What they're saying is that we spend a a lot of our time on what I call governor limit engineering. I mean, when you're writing Apex, there's a lot of cruft. Not just forget about the language. Um, but a lot of cruft around the limit engineering that you're doing that's not even related to business logic. It's just code and stuff you're having to do. That's true. To, to right to engineer against governor limits. So that fifty percent number is indicative of us trying to work around the limits. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And 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 they're 
addressing we're addressing government element engineering over like I guess overall robust. They don't really define what they mean by robustness, unfortunately, but over like overall robustness. Maybe that just means like completion of features or something. I'm not even sure. I don't know because I kind of think. I mean, I guess there, there's a certain give and take there. I mean, if you're there is yep there there are things you're doing to address the governor limit issue, but they're usually things that are best practices anyways. Yep. So, you know, abstracting certain pieces of logic out into smaller methods or something that can scale across many records. I mean, those are all good practices. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like, I mean, if, if you didn't have governor limits or if you're developing on another platform, not Salesforce, that you're all of a sudden just going to be able to write whatever code you want. I mean, well, something's going to hit the could, fan. but something's going to hit the fan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're going to melt your server or you're you're actually going to do stuff that's so un... What's the word? Unperformant? Is that a word? It's not a word. Yeah, I, I just, I just <laughs> that, always... Anytime we talk about that stuff, I always think back to my first... Attempt at trying to make an orm, and how horribly it failed. You attempted to make an orm. Yeah. Your first attempt at an orm. How many attempts have you made at an orm? Two or three. Wow. <laughs> I was determined to make it work. I had to abandon it at some point and go straight to just straight writing SQL query or SQL. Gosh, SQL. so stuck in this world, yeah. SQL queries and. Well, I mean, even the best orms. I mean, like Hibernate is probably the most advanced I can think of um, orm out there, and. It's tough to you get can, right. You can, oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's kind of writing queries and it's a, doing the whole unit of work pattern, you know, mm-hmm. tracking what needs to be saved or not. It's not optimizing, though. That's up to you. You still have to know what you're doing. You still have to understand databases and SQL and everything else. Yeah, and good luck can, handing that off to someone else. When, yeah, you, you, uh, when you home grew your own ORM, it's yeah. just, that was just a failed, mm. failed attempt at all around. Yeah. Because even if I succeeded in getting it to work and be somewhat performant, there's no way I would have been able to hand that off to someone to understand. Yeah. I barely understood it, and I <laughs> wrote right. it. Um, well, my next thing <clears throat> is, well, let's see. Let's look at this one. Second time in the past couple of weeks, or maybe it was, when was the first time, Trailhead, where Salesforce actually got some traction on Hacker News. Oh, I saw that. I was trying to, I was trying to read that. I it, it's, didn't get very far. You know, in the past 20 years of Salesforce's life, it's like this... Actually, it's probably the yeah. The first time was Heroku. The Heroku announcement got some some traction. Mm-hmm. Oh, then when Salesforce fired their security team, that oh yeah gave that, gave some presentation and they got fired for that. That made Hacker News a little bit. And then a couple weeks, I think one of the DX announcements. Can't remember, but it got a little bit. But this one, um, so this was what was this? What is Salesforce or Salesforce for engineers? Article wasn't even it wasn't even interesting. I don't I don't know what. I, I was trying to figure out was. what parts of it, because there was one part of it that sounded very marketing-like. Like, I didn't know what Salesforce was until I realized it's this greatest thing ever in SaaS. And I'm yeah. like, what, what is this? Is this a question? Is this a comment? I, I didn't know what it was trying to say. I don't either. I just I just noticed that... Um, did you read through any of the Hacker News thread? I tried, but there was a lot of kind of redundant saying, oh, it's this, or it's that, or, or this is... It, it just... I don't know. I got to a certain point, and then I had to actually get back to doing some real work. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it's really it's become this what now is like an age old argument like is Salesforce just this great developer platform or is it like is it the worst most pain in the ass platform out there? You know, I, I, it it's relative, as Einstein would say. How do you like that? <laughs> That's good. How do you like that? That's actually pretty good, John. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. Just I just made it up too. <laughs> no, it really is. I mean, if you're when you come from an environment where you're having to write your own security and you're having to write any any change to the database is a huge undertaking and it requires 
changes at multiple levels in your code and your logic and, and all the layers that represent your application. And then you go to Salesforce where someone can add a field at will and add security permissions across it and everything's taken care of for you. That's a pretty big deal. That's really nice. Yeah. But then you get into maybe some higher level functions or needing to manipulate massive amounts of records and then the pain starts to show. Yeah, yeah. Or even understand the order of operations and the way triggers execute in conjunction with process builder. And then, of course, all the issues with error handling around that and being able to, in some cases, not even be able to trap those errors yep. and effectively respond to them. It's, it gets painful. So it, it really is relative to, to what your experience is right. and what you're trying to solve at that point in time. There are a lot of great things about the platform. There's a lot of things it does for you that, honestly, if I had to go back and write by hand, I'd be like, oh, I wish I was doing this in Salesforce. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think the thing that you have to keep in mind is that Salesforce is a, well, it's a, it's a CRM, right? It's a platform. Excuse me. It's a platform. It's a platform. Oh, that's right. I forgot. It's the customer success platforms, right? Or is it customer 360? No, we had Salesforce only does one thing, which is CRM. Right. Don't forget that. I mean, keep that in mind. Do you actually, because we played that last week for the first time in a while. I hadn't, I hadn't played that clip. You remember what that what that's from? It was from a Kramer talk, wasn't it? I don't remember. I don't remember who the interviewer was. Okay, you, you know what he was talking about, though. No, they were asking him. It was when it was during the um, thundercloud powered by Microsoft. It was during that time period, and he was asked, "Well, you know, don't you compete with Microsoft? Isn't this a conflict of interest or whatever? You know, how do you guys? How are you outsourcing your IoT cloud to them when they're a competitor?" And Ben answer was, well, Microsoft does all these all these things. We only do one thing, CRM. No. I thought that was a different interview, but no, I guess I guess that could be. I'm with you. Um, but you know, you have to remember, I mean, and and you know, obviously Salesforce, they 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 you know came up with these proprietary languages to be able to run things on their platform and to to hook into uh database triggers. Now we have trigger-driven development, TD the T. T D T R D D trigger driven driven development triggered trigger driven development trigger driven uh, okay yeah. okay that's a thing so we have trigger driven development now um, you know they came, they they uh, gave us visual force and of course now we got we have lightning so mm -hmm. it's it's now kind of a development platform but it's still on top of SaaS it's still on top of so software like package not pa I mean kind of like packaged user soft you know. Software, enterprise software. Sure. It's not like a it's not a low-level programming platform like Java is or I mean Salesforce runs on Java, right? So it's not like Java or Ruby or .NET. It's it's this much higher level thing. And Salesforce just can't, they're not gonna be able to reinvent every wheel. Like they're just I don't know if there's an advantage to to Salesforce being a generic platform. I think I think the fact that it has an opinion on CRM, it has an opinion on service and, and everything else, all the other clouds, is what makes it what it is. I mean, there are plenty of other platforms that were just essentially access databases, but SaaS with a SaaS model and some kind of pr way to either proprietary program against it or inject Java or C Sharp or things like that. Mm -hmm. That just didn't make it. It never got traction because yeah. there was no audience for it. People didn't want to buy a platform. They wanted to buy a CRM. They wanted to buy a... Customer service. Well, they want to buy a platform now, John. <laughs> no, they have Amazon for that. I guess. 
But I think- oh, you know what's crazy? Uh, oh, tangent. <laughs> We're having some issues with our server, and God, trying to trace all the different IPs Who's and we? every. And what's our server? I'm t- talking we as in my current company. Okay, with your server, a Salesforce server, or no, our else? website. We we okay. made some changes. We discovered that our our site and everything else was mapped into temporary DNS names. I, I don't know how to explain it, but it was just mapped wrong, and we had to fix it and we had to remap everything. But at some at some point. Everything got reset, and we had to find where everything was and what the what the DNS names and everything else for things that we had to map and IP addresses to map to where it needed to go. And so basically going to... That sounds like a mess. <laughs> it, it wasn't as bad as I'm making it sound. Okay. But I, I basically had to search and inspect all these different name servers or these you know domain names and try to figure out what the underlying IP or whatever it was. And it was just funny how many times I came across some name and then mapped into that and find out it was an AWS server. It's just funny how every time I dug in, I kept running into AWS. I'm like, oh crap, everything, the world runs on AWS now. Yeah. No. Lots of things run on AWS. Oh, show. Um, well, John? Did you see that, uh, did you see that link on the, the highest paid CEOs? Yes, but the fundamental flaw in that article was they, I think they were just looking at salary, which is like, which is peanuts compared to the, the so way CEOs stocks. actually yeah. make money. Yeah, that's why. It's like, oh, Benioff's paid at $28 million a year. Oh, he's like third highest paid. I'm like, Steve Jobs had like a salary of a dollar, I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, well, how many doesn't, I think Benioff sells $2 million of stock on every trading day, something like that, if he's still on the same plan he used to be. What is that? Four hundred million dollars a year he's selling of stock. I mean, come on, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, completely. And and maybe at some point in that article they actually pointed out that oh, by the way, this is not really how CEOs make money. Maybe that, but I didn't see that, and I just you know like, why are they paying attention to what is pretty much a useless metric? It just it's just kind of crazy rich these people are. It's, I it's mean, just, it's, it's, so Benio's salary at least for twenty eighteen is twenty eight point four million. That's just right, his salary. He he makes that in two weeks of selling stock though. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's just Insane. a, oh, I, I understand it's a, if, I, it's a, if I got paid 30 million for one year, that's it. I'm done. I'm only working that year. Right. The rest, I'm, I'm on a beach somewhere after that. Oh. What's the incentive for these CEOs to continue to work after making that much money in a single year? I don't to solve the problems of the fourth industrial revolution. <sighs> just take a pay cut. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Distribute it a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. That's a lot of money for one person. It is. I mean, yeah, who's to say? I don't know. I'm with you. I'm, this this I'm, gets into the whole, you know, do you think that CEOs should be paid, you know, 100,000 times more than the average employee and all that stuff? And do you think we should have some laws? Like, CEO can't be paid more than 100 times more than the average salary at the company? No, I'm not into that kind of mentality. I just, I just, it, I'm not even speaking politically or, or socially or anything like that. I'm just seeing these massive amounts of, of money. And I'm like, well, what's their motivation beyond money? You know, I'm I'm comfortable and, and happy to provide for my family. But at some point, I'd be like, I'm done. I'm spending the days with my family. Yeah. I'm not going into the office. I'm going to spend the entire day with my family. Yeah. That's a dream, you know? Oh. For some, I mean, you got to get out sometimes. You got to get away sometimes. Gotta yeah, I got to have, have some me time. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, you know, I just, I'm just, I, I, it's a different world to me because I see those numbers and I'm going, I'm done after a year. Yeah. I'm like, I'm done. See yeah. ya. I don't need a huge mansion. I don't need 
three or four properties or a yacht, I just put it in the bank, let it sit there and just retire happy. Yeah. Also, you, so that was one problem you've run into. Have you, so you've been, you know, your new job for an entire, like what, two weeks now. Have you learned any, anything new about Salesforce? I'm learning all sorts of new stuff because right. it's all new stuff. It's because it's, it's ISV territory, which I've only skirted with or dated temporarily for a while. Yeah. Um, like early days doing some security views and, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, we, I, th- I feel like you and I built a, an ISV thing together. We um, did. And then there was another one that I was involved with as well, where I had to go through security view and all that kind of stuff. And it involved external systems, which is always a pain. Yeah. Hint, I mean, don't ever use an external system. Yeah. If you're an ISV and you think you're going to be ready for Dreamforce in a month. Because Salesforce straps the gloves on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they and you, they go to town. <laughs> you have an external system involved, or some kind of ape, external API. Yeah, good luck. But uh, anyways, it's good that Salesforce. It's really good they they do that. I mean, well, it is. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. I mean, it, it is. I'm not I'm not complaining about that part. I just it's a it's a long process and it takes time. And there's there's no unless you're friends with Benioff, I'm sure there's no levers to expedite that process. There's only so many people that can go around and look at people's code. But yeah, I mean, I'm learning. A lot of things, just like different things that I didn't know and the crustiness of it. Like you have all these different, you have like acronyms galore. You have TMO and TSO and trial force and source orgs and license managing systems and apps and feature enablement apps. So you have all these freaking crusty ass apps that you have to install into your org to, to do these license management things and feature management things and um, I'm going through Trailhead. I'm actually doing trails on this. I'm trying to do it the right way and learn. Um, I, I've got maybe 500 points now. Does that make me a star or anything? I don't know. I <laughs> I, I got into it for a week or so a while back, and then I just yeah. I stopped. Yeah, it, which I'm getting endless amounts of shit for. By the way, I still have a problem with these quizzes. It, the gamification is pretty interesting. It is pretty motivating because again. People are, this is old news to everyone else, but I really did not pay attention to Trailhead at all. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just didn't. Um, so what I didn't, and I, it's not that I didn't take trails. I just didn't log in and actually take the quiz. I would read through the instructions to to understand what it is that that feature offered or what it, what it was that I needed, and then I'd move on. I'd be like, okay, I got the information I needed. I move on. I don't need to take a damn quiz. So this was the first time I actually sat there and took the quizzes. Just, I don't know, for S&Gs. Yep. Um, and it was interesting that if you get everything right on the first attempt, it's a hundred points. And then if you, if you don't, then your second attempt is 50 points. And then after that, it's 25 points. So the gamification of that was pretty motivating. I was like, crap, people are going to see a bunch of 125s and know that I got a bunch of stuff wrong. I don't think you should, I don't think you should lose points for not getting it right the first time. That seems, that seems awfully punitive. (laughs) Doesn't it? You lose half of the points. Yeah. Should be like incremental 25 I'm down. I'm sweating bullets before I hit that submit button. Oh my gosh. And some of them are like, no, that's right. That's That makes sense to me. And, it, and it's wrong. And then the thing that is right just doesn't make sense to me. So I don't know what. I'm really horrible at taking these type of tests. Never been good at them. So I'm always going to be on the losing side of them. But I was doing some trails. What were they in? I can't remember now. But they were ones where you had to fire up the, your your play, your playground and do some stuff and it oh, yeah. was and like just to prove that you knew like this one little simple thing which i totally knew it took the some the amount of setup involved i'm like oh my god i have to do all this it takes me like 15 minutes just to prove that i know this one little thing like surely there's a better way of 
figuring out whether I know something or not. Yeah. And that's when I realized that, not just because of that, but other things too, learning, and I know everyone learns differently. I'm, I think, I, and I think, I think I'm in a minority for sure, but learning on Trailhead is much slower for me than simply cracking the manual and, yeah. and learning. That's kind of what I was discovering as well. I, I kept going back to just the ISV force guide or ISV guide or whatever it's called yep. and just digging through that because I just needed the raw technical details. I don't need this fluff, this story. And again, I agree with you. People learn differently. But what about all the puns and jokes, John? The puns, the jokes. It was just, I was like, I don't, I just need to know. I just need to know what I need to know so I can get this done. Puns and jokes. Puns and jokes. Um, actually, I was going to use this to segue. How about that? How about well, let that? Me, let me close this segment. Go get your badges. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to refer to something that someone posted on our on our Slack community. Uh, so this was a LinkedIn. I guess someone was posting and griping about another ad about uh, these dumps where you can get certification dumps and trailheads and people copying and pasting. So oh, that's I'm, where I put all the answers. I, I guess so. It says, Why is it called a dump? So this person wrote. I don't know. This person wrote, "Dear recruiters, companies, and whoever work in Salesforce, if you still evaluate candidates based on their certifications, think again." The market is full of certification dumps, allowing anyone with no knowledge of Salesforce to have cert- certificates. This results not only in fake profiles, but also devalues the certifications of the folks who actually studied for the cert- certification exams. Which is something we've been saying for years. Well, what about the, the thing we saw posted the other day? Someone uh, posted an ad for it. They, need, they wanted a, what do you call it when? Oh, they wanted someone to, to, to pose be double, them. Like yeah. A, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. To exactly. take the interview from them. Mm-hmm. But that, that happens not only just for interviews, but People, they'll pay people to go and take exams under their name and all those kind of things. I mean, it's... It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. They want people who kind of look like them so they can pass the identification stuff. And so we're, you know, I've been been hiring quite a bit for a, a while now. Um, and I will say, I mean, the cert- certifications are useful for just... It's almost like, do you remember when back when you were young enough that people cared whether you had a degree or not. And it was like, it didn't really prove anything that you were smarter. It just proved that you could get some minimally thing, some minimal thing accomplished, like to get a bachelor's degree. It's just, it's almost like proof that you could actually stick something out for four years and get something done. It's really all it was. It didn't mean you're certainly doesn't mean you're smart. doesn't mean you have any fitness for a particular job, but it was just a, well, it was a, is this person a complete mess or not? Which I don't actually don't think is a fair test, but well, I think that, I think that was that was I think that's how it evolved. So you had the strong focus on degrees, and then it wanna, became. I don't want to rat hole on that. No, no, I'm okay. not going to rat hole on it. But I think what it, it what it became is the same thing that certifications is kind of becoming. It became this way to filter out. So if you have a hundred listings, it's dangerous to you check the box yeah. that says, "Okay, yeah. I, I there's no way I'm going to read a hundred resumes. Only show me the ones that have certifications. Only show me the ones that have degrees or advanced degrees." It became this this way to filter them down, yeah. so you have a smaller set. And so, so if you didn't have that, you ended up getting dropped off the list. Yep, yep. And Salesforce has really succeeded at setting up an, an employment marketplace where enough – there's such a, a critical mass of people that, that do have the certifications that it's kind of a it's, – it's certainly not perfect, but it's better than, better than average way to filter out people based on certifications. And that being said, you know, if, but if I'm looking for someone who, like, let's say I'm looking for uh, someone who, you know, maybe has a market, you know, knows Marketing Cloud well, and maybe I want them to know Sales Cloud too, and Pardot would be a bonus. By the way, that's an actual job posting I have right now. So if you listening, <laughs> <laughs> listener, dear listener, 
if you know Marketing Cloud really well, and maybe some Sales Cloud and Pardot would be a bonus, please contact me. Info at gooddaysirpodcast.com or DM me in the Slack. And that counts as an ad. We have an awesome company. That counts as an ad, and I expect a check. (laughs) Okay, well, (laughs) you can do something in one hand and something else in the other. (laughs) You haven't asked my rates yet. Um. But it's it's kind of like it's a way to it's it is a filtering mechanism. But mm-hmm. just because I find someone with a marketing cloud cert and a sales cloud cert, does that mean that they're? I mean, you you still have oh, that that just gets them to the next step in the funnel. It's certainly you're going to be filtering people that made that first cut of certifications. You're, you're going to filter a lot of those out as soon as you dig deeper into the resume or have the first conversation with them or whatever. So to play a little devil's advocate, I mean, is that a company you want to work for that's purely focused? Because it, it kind of says that they don't know what they're looking for. And in it can't, I mean, why don't, so why, so if I do that, I don't know what I'm looking for. You know what you're looking for. Okay. That's why you can filter through these and you can understand and you can do that mental balance of cert versus non-cert mm-hmm. and what their experience yeah. is. There's plenty of companies out there who are new to Salesforce and just need a Salesforce developer. And they have no context of what a good Salesforce, either admin or developer is. Hey, uh, any. And the only thing they have to go on is what Salesforce said is make sure they have those certs, make sure they have these trails. I mean, almost every organization, um, one of the most important things is hiring well, and the the market will punish you. Your business will punish you if you don't hire well. And companies that hire really well tend to do really well. And if you don't hire well, then that's just a, comp- just a distinct competitive disadvantage if you don't know how to hire well. That's why Salesforce spent billions of dollars on well, Tableau, and look, right? And look at, look at the big <laughs> successful companies. I mean, they, they hire really well. They know how to hire. They've got it down to science almost. Can't find them, buy them? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was only the tip of the spear on that one. So in response to this, a few people said, you know, how to report this to Salesforce Legal. And someone responded saying, I don't think they care. Well, Salesforce Legal does not care about that. So I was going to ask you, do you think Salesforce cares about this kind of activity think, going on? I about- think the whatever their department that's like certifications and training and trailing and all that, they, they probably care about it. And and to to whatever degree they care, I could see them invoking their legal department services, if if needed, to send C and Ds out to some of these dumps. Yeah, but you know, unfortunately, it's it's information and it's lightweight text at that. As soon as it as soon as it hits the internet, it's already been duplicated in a billion places. Well, it's not like Salesforce it's, has it's, a revenue. It's, it's stream. whack-a-mole. Well, it's not like Salesforce has a revenue stream coming from Trailhead. The main focus of that is to produce a market of... Well, there's certainly a revenue stream from certifications. And Trailhead dovetails right in with certifications. Maybe. When you consider the Trailhead is completely free, and you can get DevOrgs completely free, and all the all the time and effort spent on the content for that, I don't think certification dollars covers that. There's no way it could. I don't know, man. That's a lot of content, and that's a lot of... It is. Technology. Yeah. I mean, I, I I literally don't know. I I wouldn't be surprised if you're right, but also And it's it's maintained it's really well maintained. I mean, every release has a slew of new badges, a slew of new modules, a slew of new mixes. There's constant marketing around it. I mean, there's a lot of money being spent on this, mainly for the purpose of making sure that the cost of owning Salesforce is cheap. You can't you can't uh, yeah, that's you can't say the, the, our product the, is really expensive and you need to build it, you need to hire this. Five hundred dollar an hour person because right. there's only ten of them in the right. world. It's it's first of all, I hear what you're saying. I, I actually I actually think it's much more fair to say to make sure the cost running Salesforce doesn't get obscenely expensive, because it's it's kind of obscenely expensive given the fact that first of all Salesforce is an expensive product to begin with, and 
you do get nickel and dime on every little thing you want. It's just, it's just enterprise but, software. But on top of that, you know, the, I mean, the, because of the supply and demand, supply is outstripped demand of, of people that know what they're doing to some degree. So, um, you know, employ, you know, di- you know, just direct employers are fighting w- against uh, consulting companies and independent contractors for all this talent. And I'm telling you, because I, these people make good money. And, and these salary surveys that show that, you know, one of the best jobs is like a Salesforce admin or developer or whatever it was. I mean, the, I, I believe those. It's a good place to be. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna suck when the shit hits the fan, but <laughs> right, enjoy it while you can. <laughs> well, what do you say to the idea that that you and I are likely in the minority that more people learn by acquiring these badges and reading that content than they do just reading straight text? I would docs? believe that. I, I told you the way I think I learn is I'm in the minority. I don't learn by listening. I can't. I have. You know what? I'm gonna coin a new term: A A D D, auditory attention attention deficit disorder. I cannot listen to people. I mean, I can't listen to. Like when I'm in meetings, especially with like clients or whatever, it I really have to focus hard. I, I can do it. And I feel like when I really need to be, I'm a good listener. Mm-hmm. But sitting in a classroom or whatever where it's just not that – they're not paying me. Like it's not my job to listen to them, you know? Yeah. I mean I just – I which is also why, by the way, I don't like like long meetings. I don't, I don't like doing trainings. I don't like giving or receiving trainings because it takes so much mental energy with, for me. Within two hours, I'm shot. And if I have to do an all day thing, I'm, I'm I've got to take a week vacation. <laughs> yeah, it's, it really drains me, and I, my brain just doesn't work that way, John. Um, I I learn by reading. I do too. I learn by reading and, and by and by um, t- what's it called the tactile, tactile kinesthetic or whatever by doing it. Yeah, I learn by reading, like dry manual like material reading, like reference stuff, and mm-hmm. by doing it. I don't learn by listening. I don't learn by puns and jokes. I don't, none of that stuff helps me. It just, it's, it's just a, a distraction. I, I mean, I'm looking at the emojis and wondering, what, you know, I wonder what Unicode code point that emoji is. I mean, like, mm-hmm. oh, you just blew me up. You know, it's like, I really have to stay focused. <laughs> don't put emojis in. Don't put jokes in. And, and, but I think I'm totally in the minority. I think most people learn. I don't, I don't think Salesforce is doing Trailhead just because it's cute and funny. They know what they're doing. They probably have PhD in in education and right in learning and stuff they know how people learn they know what works and what doesn't work this is clearly something that works they do need to train up an army an ar- armies of ar- and armies of people so that they can continue to grow because not having enough people that are trained in this business will will be a restriction on salesforce's ability to grow and that's probably the thing that the one thing if anything in the world keeps mark benioff up at night it's what if something slows us down yeah I'll agree with you. I, I learned the same way. That's why every meeting I have to take notes because it's not that I'm learning by listening. I'm learning by writing the note and reading my note. Yeah. Yep. It's not that I go back and reference my notes. I never do. It's just the act of writing the note and write, the way I write it and the way I kind of just outline it. That's how I remember and recall whatever I need to That recall. is such an interesting phenomenon. My wife is like that and and she can't also, typing doesn't work for her. She ha- She has to pull out her notebook with a pen or pencil and write the notes. It's something, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because that's how we were trained as kids and that formed a pathway in our brain, mm-hmm. but it, typing doesn't work. She has to take the notes by hand and then she'll copy them into like an Evernote or something later. Mm. I can't because it's, I write too slow. I do so too. I, and I, plus I, I can't read, type it. I can't read my own handwriting. I'm left-handed. <laughs> but my I, handwriting's horrible. I, I, did, I do like to take visual notes. So if, if, I, if I, given the luxury, I would love to have both. Be is, able that, to type. is that Microsoft's product, visual notes? Visual notes? Yeah. No, they have notes. Okay. 
Sounds like it'd be a it does. Microsoft product. It does. That's why I'm like pausing. I'm like, is there a Visual Notes product? <laughs> There's our new app idea. Yeah, there you go. But no, if if luxury would be the ability to type my notes, but also have the time to be able to draw diagrams because I I do like taking visual notes and doodles and things like that. So ideally, I'd have both. Which is why if I'm designing something, I like having my whiteboards. And why are you giggling like a schoolgirl? Because um, your boss is texting me <laughs> as we speak. Like, jokes about our podcast. <laughs> what? Yes. <laughs> is he listening live? Uh, no. Oh. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> uh, That's um, funny. All right, John. Well, what about the, uh, you see the article today? Right, was it today? Market Watch. Salesforce's deal for Tableau smacks of desperation. So let's support doesn't. my argument. I don't know. Well, let's listen to this guy's uh, argument here. What? Okay, go ahead. Were we done with the whatever that was? Yeah, I was just going to talk about this, but okay, I'll let you read it before I comment. Yeah, yeah let's just let's set it up here. Um, so he says, you know, okay, this may look like a big move for Salesforce, but it's it it exposes the company's desperate effort to keep up with Microsoft. Uh, the deal comes at a big cost, both financially and strategically. I'm going to try to like pull out his points of this. Um, he says the price is extraordinarily high for one major reason. Tableau and Salesforce have vastly different and in some ways opposite business strategies, which means the integration of those technologies will be at best patchwork and at worst non-existent. Um, sales, and he backs this up. So Salesforce is born in the cloud, right, and deserves credit for uh, what I call them. I always call them the poster child of SaaS. <laughs> full credit. They get full credit for that for sure. Um, Tableau, however, I'm skipping a bunch. Tableau, however, is nothing like Salesforce. The company's business is dominated by on-premise customers with less than one-third of its service is in the cloud. Yeah, he's just saying it'll be, it'll be, it'll be intrigued to see how uh, Tableau customers feel about being forced into in in Salesforce's walled garden. I don't, I don't and, think that's, I don't think that's a danger. And, and he's like, is Salesforce going to run Tableau as a, as a separate company? Which Salesforce says, what's... He says they are kind of like the Heroku model, right? No, Still well, kind of Heroku and MuleSoft as well. We'll see. I mean, I think MuleSoft's too new, but I, I nope. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, in discussions I've had about MuleSoft, they, they're they're happy to run them independently just because of the uniqueness of their business model and because of certain government agencies and all those kind of things that require on-prem. You're making my point about the MuleSoft thing, which was. They they need MuleSoft because it's an integration thing that's agnostic. It'll connect to anything. Yeah. But if it's if it appears to be owned and controlled and manipulated by one of those vendors, mm-hmm. then it's not really an independent integration platform anymore. Yeah. And I see so Tableau being more synonymous with MuleSoft and Heroku, for that matter. Those type of platforms need to remain independent to some way, or at least have the appearance of independence. Something like that. And it's not, it's not like for some sinister reason. It's just that the technology itself and, and what it intends to do in connecting all these various systems, it needs to have some sense of autonomy to say it's not greatly, or at least not to appear greatly influenced or self-serving to one entity. Yeah. Although are you, and because he, he makes this point, and what does he say here? Um, if, is it, is it going to run as a separate company? Tableau, that is. He says he, he doesn't see that as a way to compete with Dynamics 365. Why not? Which, which is not only in the cloud, but Microsoft has already dealt with integrating the legacy on-premise stuff. I don't see how that makes any difference. It, it, Tableau could just be another product offering under Salesforce's umbrella. It doesn't need to say sales cloud analytics or become the new Einstein. It can exist as Tableau. But if you're saying it exists as Tableau and, it, and, we're, and it's going to keep doing its 
thing, then are you? Well, my other question is: Are are you are you giving up on ways to really tightly integrate it into Salesforce? Because it has to be still that on-premise solution that's completely independent of Salesforce, technology-wise. Its target audience is is separate from from Salesforce SaaS because Salesforce SaaS has Wave. They have Einstein Analytics. Do you, th- do you think that'll stay? Yes. Really? Yeah, it'll stay. So, because you already have to pay for Einstein Analytics, are you saying sure. that Tableau, you think Tableau will be an upgrade from that? What I'm saying is as you're analyzing I mean, requirements, you can't, you you can't s- top Einstein, right? No, it, go, it goes, you're analyzing requirements, and you go, we have reporting, we have we have Salesforce reporting. Oh, that doesn't work for you? Okay, well, we have this, we have Einstein Analytics. Oh, that doesn't work for you because you have all these on-premise systems. Well, we have Tableau. We, we can still solve your need. We're just going I, up the chain. I hear you. And it's a time and money this, problem. This this creates a real problem for Salesforce's um, branding people and, and marketing people because you are, for the first time that I can remember, positioning an Einstein-branded product as a subpar product. That's new, and that could that's a problem. Hmm. Never thought of that. Uh, we, in, in the, we, we don't know yet. It doesn't necessarily have to be that, done that way, but if they're not careful, it could be perceived that way. Yeah. Uh, he says, uh, for a long time, Microsoft's efforts in the cloud-based customer relationship management and resource planning software businesses were relatively insignificant, especially during Salesforce's medi- uh, mediocre, <laughs> meteoric rise. That was a Freudian slip. <laughs> <laughs> Three years ago, no analyst would have claimed that Salesforce is chasing Microsoft, meaning that they're, they're even that close. But over the past 36 months, tide has turned. Microsoft Dynamics 365 has seen quarter after quarter double-digit growth 43% and 51%, respectively, of the past couple of quarters. Um, oh, couple of this with the moment of Azure Cloud, which surges 73%. And Power Platform? I wonder if that's Power BI. I think so. Yeah. And Microsoft is firmly at the epicenter of cloud, AI, and business intelligence. And with its massive foothold in Office uh, and the power of Azure, it's also able to fill in any gaps in SaaS offering by leveraging this like huge portfolio and its... Really, no no one has a bigger customer base than Microsoft. Everyone is a customer of Microsoft. That's still like, that's the thing they have that Oracle can't compete with. No one can compete with. Micro- well, everyone is a Microsoft customer. Yeah, yeah. And it's really easy because they've already got those contracts. They've already got those relationships to for them to try to leverage those relationships and move them for any slight reason, especially now that Dynamics is more geared towards cloud-based than it used to be. Yep. Uh, now they can say they truly compete with Salesforce. Now they truly can say they have an offering that that can offer them what Salesforce can and more, whatever they want to, however they want to market it. Whereas previously they couldn't say yep. that. It was still pretty much a on-premise system in someone else's cloud. Yeah. And I wouldn't count Salesforce out of this out of this particular competition. I mean, it it is definitely still a David and Goliath type of thing. I mean, that's how much. I mean, Microsoft is still just gargantuan compared to compared to Salesforce. Did I say that right? I think so. Okay. Um, but I wouldn't count Salesforce out. I mean, just looking at their their track record is is scary. And just to see something, to see Salesforce nipping at your heels is not something you want to see, right? No, and the advantage is on Salesforce. They have the hunger and the drive, whereas Microsoft has so many different products. They have so many ways to kind of kick back and relax and and move money around and focus on different parts of the of the industry. Whereas Salesforce is like, we're going, we're going, we're going. We need this growth, growth, growth. And Microsoft doesn't have that pressure. Yeah. So they're they're not going to be pushing the innovation as far. So so back to the idea of 
innovation by acquisition, right? He says, Salesforce's growth appears to be running out of steam as, um, as evidenced by its, you know, this innovation by acquisition. And how that can only take you so far. The overpaying for assets muddies the company's identity with little p- clear path to integration f- feels more desperate than strategic. So I don't think I read that right. But they're saying that they're not going to integrate Tableau and there's really no, it's hard to understand how they even would while because Tableau is so on-premise oriented. And it's little, that's the other interesting thing. It's, it's, it's the antithesis of no software. Hmm. Um, anyway. I, mean, well, I, 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 I disagree with those thoughts. I mean, I don't think Oracle got where it was by pure organic growth. It got there by acquisitions. Microsoft did not get there by pure organic growth. Yeah. It got there through acquisitions. Google has been growing organically in a lot of areas and they have failed in a lot of areas. Let me point out one big difference though, and because I don't disagree with that, Oracle and Microsoft. The difference is when you go back and look at their acquisitions and their income statements during, at any point along there, they were making lots of money. Salesforce still not making money. Yeah, but that was... And it just makes it... The distribution and marketing of software back then was a different game. I agree, it's and it's, it's different. a different world now. And yeah. also, the, actually, the biggest difference is the just the whole revenue model, subscription versus because yeah. you know with the subscription software, it's it's the way you have to model and analyze these companies' fin- finances are completely different. That's really why the like deferred revenue is such an important metric, and really, uh, and really, like operating cash flow becomes such a more important metric than than like income statement. Um, like you know, earnings. Mm-hmm. It's just because it's always in arrear, like in arrears. I mean, the 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 way you get paid for the work that you're doing right now is this long multi-year stream where you're going to have this residual income coming in for work that you did three years ago. It's kind of a not very good way to explain it, but <laughs> uh, anyway, he says equally significant for the first time since Benioff disrupted the software space, Salesforce is chasing a more formidable competitor in Microsoft, which has always done on-premise better and now is doing cloud better as well. Microsoft is doing cloud better? Um, so, so yeah, my, Microsoft's cloud business itself is now far bigger than, my, and it's far bigger than Salesforce. Yeah, but it hang got, on, hang on. Growing at double digits and and uh, quite profitable. So, are they doing better? They, they on, on a lot of metrics, yes. They on are, other, but they, they, they certainly had the advantage of existing contracts of existing people that are running homegrown exchange servers well, that moved to Azure. That was or my point. To, to everyone, everyone was already a Microsoft customer. Yeah, I mean, it's that, the same story with Oracle. Advantage. All they did was was transition all their existing right. on prem. And incentivize them to go to cloud, and all of a sudden they they have this massive growth in cloud because they force. We're doing to. so <laughs> awesome. We're just going to rename your contract to say cloud on it. Can you go and sign this, please? <laughs> <laughs> so so while while those numbers may be true, I still give it to Salesforce because they are actually doing it. Uh, you know, they're just, not they're not. You're just in love with Mark Benioff, John. <sighs> just admit it. He's your idol. No, nah, I like Parker more than Benioff. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. I do. Well, the truth comes out then. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. If, if if I could choose between one of the two to have a beer with, it would be Parker over. Everyone Benioff. has their type, so that's fine. You, you're gonna you have a man crush on Benioff, so that, that you would think be so? I do. I do want to give him just a. You have his picture right there. I, do, I know. It's that's some creepy shit, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I do want to give him an all-out tackling bear hug. Just to see if I could do it. Can I take this guy down with just a giant bear hug? And just like just. 
Your name has now been added to a security it is, list. I know. If you see this person, <laughs> yes. do not let them anywhere near yeah, Benioff. I'm on the security no-go list for yeah. any future Salesforce events. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking, guys. Come on. I would ex- I would extend a, a a very respectful business handshake. And maybe that, a little curtsy. And then I maybe would a little curtsy. Then I'd give them the the one-handed bro hug. Come on. I can't I, I come on. <laughs> I, I can't I can't I can't prevent that from happening. Little 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 football f- slap on the ass. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Some more baseball, but Good job I, I for making the cloud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now you've been added to the list, John. Way to go. <laughs> now neither of us can get in anywhere. We are we've been completely delegitimized. Yeah. There goes our MVP status. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that was probably gone a couple weeks ago. <laughs> um all right, John. Well, what else is on your mind? Uh dinner. Are you getting hungry? How, so. you like, how's this whiskey treating you? Oh wow, you got through that. It's whiskey. Yeah, that was that was a good pour though. Th- I like this whiskey. What was this? Baker's? Where's we 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 floated it. Bottles. It's there. gone. Yeah. Boker, Baker's is Baker's, right? Baker. Maybe. It's whiskey. I like. I mean, it. it's not four roses, but it's pretty good. I, I, the the only whiskeys I don't like are the the kind of spicy kind, the peppery kind. Oh, I love that. The Maker's Mark. Mm, I, I mean, can't stand those. I'll drink them. But I can't stand them. <laughs> I really should get back, back into bourbon a little bit more just because it's so much healthier for you than beer. I agree. I've been drinking a little bit more wine, too, instead okay. of beer. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I make beer, so. What is, like, if someone wanted to give you a gift of a alcoholic nature, what would be the thing? Um, I, I can't think uh, beer because you've got uh, so much beer, you're trying to get rid of it. You're yeah. forcing it down my gullet. <laughs> <laughs> Title? <laughs> And and wine, I, I think you have like a wine service that gives you like wine every month or something, don't you? Well, you've like my wine the, collection, right? Yeah, you've just got way too much wine. <laughs> and I don't know that you're a whiskey person or a bourbon person. I mean, I know you enjoy it, but it's not like a you haven't nerded out on it. I mean, most most quality spirits, I'm definitely into. Hmm. Um, I like really any any brown spirits. Scotch, I found this new tequila. Bourbon. I'm, I can't do tequila. Not tequila. I'm not. That's the one. Actually, that's the one that I just. I don't. Do. I can't do tequila. Me neither. My Mexican blood just does not mix well with tequila. That doesn't even make any sense. John. It changes my personality. It's the only <laughs> yeah. thing that's ever changed my personality is tequila. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a tequila. It's called uh, Number Juan Tequila. <laughs> oh, that's yours. Yeah. And I got to get that from my dad. And funny enough, it's made or uh, distributed by two comedians. Uh, one of them being Ron White from the. Uh, blue collar comedy tour, mm. um, but yeah, it was like some some small distillery. Why does everyone out have in their tequila or like vodka brand? I don't know because they're all alcoholics and they decide. Well, if I'm going to drink it, I might as well make it right. They're just leveraging their brand, John. Yeah, their personal brand. But anyways, number Juan Tequila was pretty yeah. creative, and I yeah. loved it. And I got to get a bottle for my dad because my dad's Juan. Yeah, and I'm technically a English John Junior. <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. <clears throat> the and the white spirit that I'm into is uh, is gin. I like gin. Vodka is just boring. I don't even. I don't even understand. Vodka. I can't do. I don't vodka. understand the purpose of it. Yeah. Except just to get drunk. I mean, and mixed with Kool Aid. I mean, okay, sure, vodka is good for that. That's why I can't do vodka because I did stupid stuff like that and mm-hmm. got really sick on it and could not stand the smell or. It's not the taste because it doesn't have a flavor, but just knowing it's vodka just makes me sick. It has a sweet flavor. It's sweet. I guess. And then it burns. Oh, no. Just not good. Did All I tell right, you, John? Oh, you got more? No, it's anic- it's just it's just a day in the life. Okay. Did I tell you I'm, I've been told I'm developing a shellfish allergy? You did. You did tell me that. You texted yeah. me that. So now I can't 
because it's developing, I, I can either take the risk and keep eating it, or I can just say, I'm not touching it. How are you it. developing allergies? What are you doing? I don't think, you're, I don't think your allergist has given you anti-allergy shots. I think she's, I think she's given you, what's the opposite of a vaccine? She's, she's uh, <laughs> what's the word? Maybe because my other allergies are, are she's finally innoc- She's inoculating you. No, my other allergies. Not vaccinating. Because I'm not, my body isn't fighting the other allergens. Now it's like, oh, we've got this new thing we can, we can start focusing on and making you react to. Hmm. We have um, real-time info from the live Slack channel here. Microsoft made almost $10 billion in a quarter off of its cloud. Well, their cloud is Azure. That thing is huge. That's great. You're just saying that as if that's, uh, like, that's something, there's something well, wrong with Well, just think about that. it. You have this, this, this customer base of on-prem who don't want to be on-prem anymore. They don't want to have a bunch of servers. They want, don't want to have a bunch of people with pagers sure. managing that. Right. They would love to offload that. And then here comes sales, or I'm sorry, Microsoft with Azure and says, hey, put your Exchange server on our, on yeah. our thing. Put your Active Directory on our thing. Put your, put your apps on our thing. Yep. What are you going to do? They're going it, to, it's great. Yeah, I agree. And it's making them a ton of money. And it's, when it goes down, I'm on the phone with my Microsoft rep. They're telling me it's going to be about an hour or so. It's not, oh, crap. Yeah. Bob. What's going on with the server? Did someone trip over the Ethernet cable why again? There, why is there smoke coming out of the data <laughs> yeah, center? Yeah. It's none of that. Yeah. You know, CIOs have it easy today. They do. I told you, it's not, a, it's, not really an, it's not really an information technology job anymore. It's a, a business and vendor management job. Yeah. I Isn't think it? I want to be a CIO now. I do too. I told you. It sounds great. You get the C-level and you leave by like 2.30 every afternoon. You show up at 10.30, leave at 2.30. Say you got meetings and stuff and you're going to meet with vendors. You got got a charity golf tournament to go to. This is, I'm telling you, this is a gig. This is, this is a good gig. All right. That's my new goal. CIO. Okay. Should I let your boss know about that? (laughs) (laughs) I got him right here. (laughs) <laughs> Let me get a year into it before I start yeah. asking for sea level status. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, never too soon. Uh, well, John, we've we've uh, made oblique references to the Slack, and I have to make my weekly pitch. If you're not in the Slack, um, you really should check it out. It's uh, it's a it's a great place for somewhat like minded people. It's a pretty diverse crowd, you know. Though we have people of various opinions and mm-hmm. different levels of background and skill and whatever um but it's fun it's funny it's it's a it's as much of a comic release or relief as it is um informational and, and a kind of a support and help group but john this, um, this sounds amazing i want to join it twice just listening to my own picture how would people join our slack by going to www because i gotta say it dot click on community take you to a form add your email address that goes to me and i do have to add you in manually Please be patient, but I will get you in. It's oh, just the way Slack works. It's not because we're trying to you know what? vet I, it or anything like I, that. It's I just heard the way that Slack they works. have a thing now where you don't have to do that. And it's not a third party. I feel like it's Well, it's, they it's have a Slack this thing. temporary URL that you can set up where, and it's supposed to be temporary, where you can just, it just exposes a form and everyone automatically comes in. Hmm. Uh, but I was unsure whether or not that was something. I don't want that anyway, because I don't want the spammers and recruiters who can't mind their manners. Well, it doesn't, doesn't matter because I'm not validating any email addresses no but we look at them i look at i mean well i, guess. I assume it, you do i mean I, I do i mean if it looks like something crazy shady but yeah. i haven't seen that so yeah i mean if it's like uh, yeah like, i don't even have examples but if it's some weird address that looks like a spammer created 
I might, but yeah. they're getting pretty good. They have Einstein too. Exactly. So they're coming up with great names. Yep. And great email addresses these days. Yep. Um, so besides the Slack, um, you can email us info at gooddaysforpodcast.com if you have ideas for the show or just questions or whatever. Um, this is a way to contact us. Uh, we if you if you do have content or questions, um, we will not use your name if we talk about it on the show, and we will anonymize you. Um, is that a word? Yeah, anonymize. Sure. Okay. Learn something new. Oh, okay. Um, unless you unless you give show. us explicit permission to use your name, then we will. What else, John? What am I leaving out? Re- you know, leave us a review on all the places you can leave reviews. Um, hit the little star in the heart on your podcasting app mm-hmm. to let the uh, whoever the gods that are in charge of this thing. Let yeah. them know that uh, people like us. And if you're listening and you didn't join, listen live, we do it live every so often. That's so true. You might uh, yeah. join our Mixler.com slash Good Day Sir podcast. It's in the, actually, better yet, join Slack. There's a channel called Live. Yeah. Join that and you'll get notified every time we start a live. That's the best way to do it. All right. And sorry for the delay, delay on the, um, the last episode. Last week. That was it was my fault for a few days, and then it was John's fault for a few days. Yeah, my anniversary kind of got in the way, yeah. and then you know, that was that was a good anniversary. <laughs> it was dinner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we don't really do much for that. What do you? You know, what do you do? What are you supposed to do for like your thirteenth year, thirteen year anniversary? Is that is that a? There's a thing, right? Every anniversary is like a wood or silver or gold. What's thirteen? Oh, we stopped doing that a long time ago. Like only goes up to ten years, and after that, I, you're I, like, you made it. Is, stop. I think, I think it goes on repeat, or yeah, you just give up. <laughs> people, I, we should wrap this up because people on the Slack are like, are, "Is this done yet? What's what's up with the show?" It's like <laughs> off the rails. <laughs> well, <laughs> to that I say, good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.